Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I'm super excited to introduce my new colleague and friend, uh, Dustin Wheeler. Welcome, Dustin. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Dustin is a motivational speaker, lifestyle strategist, and transformation coach. She's also founder of the One Tribe Rising, a heart-based community of leaders and business owners where she equips entrepreneurs with the tools, resources, and support to build on key spiritual principles, establishing a winning mindset, and set you up for your best financial success by answering, accepting, and taking action on your God-given calling. After helping so many others find their passion and purpose, let her help you find yours too. I'm so excited to talk to you, Dustin. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, you're welcome. So um, I, you know, I start with a little strange question, <laughs> usually off the cuff, <laughs> um, but I saw this really cool massager on your page and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> that is my new best friend, actually. That's what that is. So it is a massage gun and by the grace of, of who I call God, it was in the wrong place in Marshalls and it uh, was in the section of the blow dryers. Uh -huh. And I've seen one of these before and it's got four attachments to it. And it literally is like a gun where it just, it go like a different, at like 10 different speeds. <laughs> so I have, I fell on the stairs a couple of years ago and broke my oh. tailbone and have oh. had nothing but hip problems. Oh. So this thing, and I'm a massage therapist and I never, ever get massages. So literally I can sit there and give myself where all these hard to place reaches like in my butt and in the hips and everything. Yeah. Like that. And it's like, absolutely no effort and it's like going to a $50 massage therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I need one of those too because I think I've only gotten two massages in my entire life. It is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. I, a friend of mine had one and he said that they were like over, God, I want to say he paid like close to $200 for it. Wow. And like I said, just by the grace of God, was it in the wrong place at Marshall's? And it was That's like- That's a perfect time for you. I was like, it is destiny. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So why don't massage therapists go and get massages? Um, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't for a long time uh, because I actually didn't really value myself. Um, when I was giving massages full time, I could tell others why it was valuable for them. I could, I knew it was valuable for them, but mm -hmm. I actually didn't do a whole lot at that time to practice any kind of self-love or self-care myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and I honestly, I think that where we kind of go wrong too, as massage therapists is, is a lot of the times as a massage therapist, touch is the way that you express love but not the way that you receive love. Hmm. And so I think that that's why a lot of massage therapists get into the business is because that's a way that we can pass on our love for people. We can pass on our love to serve people in through healing touch, but not always is that the way that we actually receive that love for ourselves. And so I also realized that there's other things that I could be doing instead of massage where I wasn't getting I, I was, wasn't getting the same value out of it, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. where I was, I was doing something that I was getting more value. And right now for me, 
I go to see the chiropractor three times a week. Um, and that is like the biggest form of self-love that I could do because when I went to the chiropractor, I was 27 pounds difference between the pressure that I was putting on my right and left leg. Wow. That's a big difference. Then <laughs> yeah. you're supposed to be about less than one. So it was because, all because of your injury, because of the injury and just, I am the type of person that I, I register pain. Um, but because unfortunately I've grown up in a lot of pain from the time that I was very young, every mm -hmm. year I suffered some sort of major trauma. I've had lots of major injuries, just major things happen that caused a lot of pain. I think I've learned how to shut the pain off and ignore it. It's like you have a big threshold and wall. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so my threshold for pain just has gotten so high. So I'm actually, I've spent the last year well, not the last year, about the last six months, really taking stock of that and not just putting off that pain, like really recognizing when I'm in pain, recognizing what I'm doing that's maybe causing the pain and not letting that pain get to a 15 or 20 before I do something about it. Um, so that's been a bit learning experience for me too. So after the chiropractor, once we get, I follow his plan, I might start incorporating massages more mm -hmm. often because uh -huh. now not only do I know like I'm worth it, but it is also something that I know is so valuable for your body too. So how, how, because you've had this threshold and block because you've experienced so many things, like how do you come back to your body? Because, because I feel like when you have all this trauma, it's like you completely leave your body. Right. Yeah. 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 And, um, I think, well, I, you know, one of the biggest things for me, and it's just a little like body hack. Um, and I didn't even realize that there was science behind it, but one of the things that I do, uh, in the morning and I do before uh, I go to bed, um, on most days is connect with my heart energy. Mm. And I'll do this because the second that you do this, there's several things that start happening in the body. Your body starts releasing serotonin and oxytocin. Right. Um, it also starts putting your uh, variable heart rate in a place that is more vital to your body um, than degenerative. And I don't know what that is called, uh, but it's heart math. Mm -hmm. And so there's this actual space when you start breathing into your heart energy that you're aligning your heart with your head and then your body is running in a different way. So immediately when I do this, it brings my attention straight into my body. So now I'm out of my head, I'm out of my ego, I'm into my heart. And so I really, you know, for about four years, this is how I started practicing. And this was going through major depression, um, overwhelming anxiety, where I would be walking through the kitchen and all of a sudden I would be so paralyzed with fear it, over nothing. Uh, it just felt like the universe was so big, that realization that you have no control over anything. Mm -hmm. And I just would freeze. 
And so being able to do this practice, this is why this is one of the number thing, number one things that I teach everybody to do and to do with their people, um, just because it brings you into a different space that is more empowering for your body. It, it's producing different chemicals in your body that are better for your body and just puts you in a place to make better decisions. It, it puts you in a place where you're more present in your body. And that was the number one thing that I needed is I needed a way to be able to come present in my body and then also be able to kind of scan my body to not have all of the pain in different areas kind of all start speaking out at once, mm-hmm. but be able to start scanning the body and recognize and realize where these things were coming from. And then uh, just listening to my heart and intuition about who I needed to go see, what kind of healing practitioner I needed to go see next to kind of work out everything that was going on because it was about 35 years of just dysfunctional behavior and addiction and just every way shape and form of of all of the things you don't want to go through pretty much of is what I went through so (laughs) how how have you survived because obviously you're a strong woman yeah uh determination I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, there's, there's something in my blood that I am super stubborn and I don't want to give up. Um, Mm -hmm. my first chiropractor, what did he tell me? He's like, he told me that I've, I've gotten through my pain by sheer will alone. (laughs) And so I think I've had to kind of adopt like in my life and not that I would ever want to be like a Navy SEAL or like purposefully put myself through any of that but in a way I've dealt with that kind of trauma and I've dealt with that kind of PTSD and I've had many uh, moments where I didn't know if I wanted to continue I didn't know Mm -hmm. if I wanted to if I wanted to live anymore Mm -hmm. Um, and there's always been when I've hit that dark place there's always been that moment of just honesty of if I was, if I was willing to live or die with the fact that I gave up Mm. and it's just not in me to give up. (laughs) Like it just isn't. And, and unfortunately I think that that has been not the best mindset or not been put to the best use in my life with what I've had to go through. It's helped me survive but I don't think it's helped me thrive at all. And that's what I'm learning now. So I feel like I'm a four or five year old baby and learning how to actually thrive in my life. Mm. Um, but my life now, five years ago, is completely different. And it's a complete 180. I am not the same woman that I was five years ago. So how, uh, because we talked a little bit about heart math. I know just minimal, minimal about it. Um, but I know that your, your heart generates way more energy is like the, the most energetic, um, pumping organ in your entire body, you know, more than your mind, more than everything. And so how, because when you're talking about, you know, tapping into your intuition and tapping into your heart, I mean, most people don't live there right? Yeah. Because, they're, no, because they're so disconnected. Most people live in their heads and are ruled by their minds and their thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so why is it even important to come back to the heart? Well, I mean, you think about when we're living in our heads, we're living in our egos. 
Mm. So ego is very superficial based. And this is what I've put together, at least in my mind, that helps me like as a massage therapist, like I know that healing happens in layers. So, you know, you're rubbing on the skin, you're rubbing on those superficial muscles. And the more you warm those muscles up, the deeper that you can go. And the more you get to the root of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so your brain is, your brain is great when it's used effectively. The right. problem is, is that our brain is not used in an effective manner. It's used based on, as you and I were talking about, based on all the marketing that we're seeing. It's playing off of all of these things and causing the, these emotional responses in our body. And then these emotional responses program these specific behaviors. So one of the things that I do is in the heart, it's like going to the deepest layer and you can do it in a second. It doesn't take you any effort to put your hand on your heart. And again, the second that you put your hand on your heart, your body starts producing a different physiological response. So in that- Just, just from the simple act of putting- Just from this. The second that you put your hand on your heart, your body starts to change and starts to produce oxytocin and serotonin. Does it matter which hand you use? I don't think so. Um, I always do my right hand, but it's, there's just something that happens when you start to put your focus and energy here. And I don't even think that you have to put your hand here when I know, like, as you can start to practice this space that you want to get to in heart math, um, people can get there without putting their hand on their heart. The reason I do this is because it immediately brings your attention here right. and your energy starts to flow where your focus goes. Right. Oh, your attention that. and intention. Yes. <laughs> I saw <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's allowing yourself to go to a deeper le level. And some of the people that I coach, they'll tell me that I'm, and I tell them the same thing. You know, there have been days if I'm dealing with high anxiety, if I'm in a, a really tough environment, if I'm dealing with a lot of scary conversations or scary people or different energy, some days I'll walk around like this. <laughs> Wow. I have conversations like this with my hand over my heart because it's keeping me in a different place. And therefore I'm not in a state of reaction. Mm. I'm in this state where the other thing that's happening in your body is the second that you do this, all of your blood vessels start to expand. So new blood starts to come into your heart and creates what I call like, this is heart ecstasy. It's mm -hmm. like the equivalent of a man getting a heart on, right? Like all this fresh blood comes in. And so when people start- So you're to, getting a heart on. Right, you're getting a heart on. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and so, you know, people will do this for a couple of days and be like, wow, I cannot believe what's going on. And it's because now you're starting to move all this stuff. You've now changed a behavior and the behavior is trumping your mindset loop. So anytime that you can change something, a behavior will change your mindset every single time. It trumps mindset because your mindset, only 5% of, uh, of what you do when you're 35 or older is actually like of your free will. Yeah. Isn't it like, I thought it was like 95% of your whole life is run by your unconscious. Yes. By the time you're 35 or older, 95% of your life is run by, uh, is run by pre-programmed subconscious behavior. Uh -huh. So people, when they're trying to change their mindset, it doesn't work because they're trying to change 95% of program behavior with 5% of awareness.
Mm. And so again, putting your hand on your heart, making this a conscious decision, every time you do it, you're disrupting those normal patterns that are going right. on. So when you can do this as a practice, take a breath, just put your attention here. It's now creating a new neurological pathway from a new place that's better for your body. Yeah. So every time that you can do this and then every time that you can act from this place, you're acting from a place that is going to be more empowering than before you did it. If that makes sense. Well, I was, I was going to say, even just doing it right here, you know, putting my hand on my heart, it's like, I'm, I, it makes me feel more grounded, like settled yeah. and present. Yeah. Um, because I, I think this is a part of, you know, our whole world is that we spend so much time in our heads, busy doing, you know, I have so many things to do, so many obligations and responsibilities mm -hmm. that I don't take time just to be. Yeah. And so, uh, which, which is actually one of the reasons why I think that COVID could be really valuable for people is um to make them stop doing so much yeah and just learning how to be more yeah well in 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 along with being present and being what this does too is because as your blood vessels expand in your heart that is not a time that you go into attack mode so I use this a lot before people have scary conversations. If they're going to have a, an uncomfortable conversation with a significant other, um, I'll have them do this together and get into that place. Because when you're here, you're not in defense mode and you're not in attack mode. Mm -hmm. Like you're in a more vulnerable state. And so you're also showing somebody else and representing and mirror, like with their mirror neurons, how to become more vulnerable. So there's a lot of things that it, it seems like this is just a simple little behavior, but there are so many things that it starts to compound that if you can do this as a practice, I've had people see changes in two days, like transformational changes just be, by doing this. It's, wow. it's amazing. Um, and we just don't think about how our whole body is run. Our whole body is full of heart cells throughout our whole body. And so what'll happen is those heart cells will start to also sync up and become more cohesive together. Mm -hmm. And it's just like when you get into the heart math part of it, the only thing I know about heart math is when I, it was about three years of doing this practice before I ever knew that there was a name for this place that I was getting to. Mm -hmm. And she had a little biofeedback uh, machine and that you could put on and measure it. And she asked if anybody would volunteer. And I was like, yes, because I wanted the it's proof. <laughs> well, and I wanted the proof that I, where I was going was an actual place because it felt like such a powerful place and helped me change a life of addiction and all of these things without like this helped me change everything. Wow. And so when she had me hooked up to this monitor, first off, when I would do my breathing that I normally would, I was probably in this zone about 90% of the time. And I was like, oh, for just 
for just practicing where the space is like that, you know, and I did it for 15 minutes. And so I was like, well, okay, 90% of the time I stayed there. And then she also told me to think of something that made me angry. And I did. And then she told me to think of something that made me grateful. And I did. And on, she gave me the little snippet of it. And I can show it to anybody and say, okay, where was it that I thought of something angry? And they can point it out. Wow. So just one thought can change the way that your heart is beating and change it in a way that's either better for your body or worse for your body. And so I just used that science compounded with what I know of like behavior modification and all of the science that's happening actually in your body Mm -hmm. to get your body into a more empowering place to learn, to take action, to start, you know, actually becoming aware of those mindset triggers. So then we can start, you know, start the chain gang down the way of how we change that. When you were talking a little bit of ago, you were talking about being in this vulnerable space, you know, not, not, um, not reacting, but more responding. And, and I thought a lot of people are probably really just afraid of being in that vulnerable space. So how do you, how do you overcome that? Because I would imagine, especially with your background, your history, that that would be a scary place to be vulnerable. Um, you know, and yes, I, I mean, and that's why I think I, I, I'm so successful in ways of why I do what I do. Um, because I'm not afraid of that vulnerability. Uh Um, I, I try not to make it an overshare. I don't think oversharing is the same thing as vulnerability, although I've way overshared (laughs) in my life as well. But there is not one thing in my life that I won't talk about. There's not one shameful act or feeling that I won't discuss with somebody. And it changed really when I, if I wanted to reach somebody, I had to walk through it first. And so what I was telling you about the mirror neurons is that to be, to me, to be a true leader is somebody that's willing to walk through those same steps that they're asking you to walk. And so when I do this, I do this first. So what I try and take people, where I try and take people along with the storytelling and, you know, getting into where they're at is being next to them by showing them that it's okay to be vulnerable because you're seeing somebody else do it too. Mm -hmm. And with our mirror neurons, we're much more likely to do something when we can see somebody else doing the behavior and we don't even recognize it, but that's why the toilet paper incident was so nutso. (laughs) Everybody buying up toilet paper. (laughs) One person saw one person that saw one person. And then it was like, so people that didn't even that didn't even need toilet paper when they went into the store, but because their mirror neurons were engaged, it, again, they're doing this behavior not knowing why because they saw somebody else do it. Uh-huh. So to me- well, But that, that's the fear. Yeah, well, and it's fear too. I right. mean, if you look at actual like the science behind mirror neurons and like the studies that they've done with monkeys and all of this stuff, like we are, it, it lights up a particular part of our brain um, that, that, that compels us 
to want to act it out. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it, it's just, it, that's how I do it is I, I, when I, I will only talk about and teach on the things that I know <laughs> and the things that I've been through. And mm -hmm. I guess that's where the gift comes in. And that's where the gratitude comes in for everything that I've been through because I can relate and sit next to a lot of people and understand where they are mm -hmm. and not judge them and just be with them and help them wherever they are along this path. Cause everybody, we're all at different places. And you know, it's also helped me change my stories of being a victim and feeling like, why is this always happening to me? Why me? All of that stuff into, like I was telling you when COVID hit, I was made for this. <laughs> Yeah. I wasn't scared. Like I wasn't, you know, the, the thing that shook me and I had different levels of stuff that happened with COVID, but COVID didn't scare me at all because my entire life has been dealing with things when your entire world gets turned upside down. What do right. you do? <laughs> right. Right. Well, and I think, I think that's been the challenge for most people because you, most people generally have this false sense of control. Yeah. Like, oh, I can control this. I can make that choice. And, and then all of those things went yeah. away with this because it's like, oh my gosh, what can I control now? Yeah. Yeah. You well, know, like it comes back to me and many people often don't even control themselves. Right. And so yeah. it's like really, uh, to me, this whole thing has been a big fat mirror for all of us to look at what um, like what's important and valuable in my life? Yeah. Who am I really? Yeah. What's, um, what's important? Like what's meaningful and, um, what do I need? What, what do I need to release? Yeah. Uh, or who do I need to release? Yeah. And, um, it's really like this great opportunity to, um, for the, for the earth to restore a sense of balance yeah. in a way that we've been completely imbalanced and a way for us to restore our own sense of balance. Yeah. I know a lot of people would say that, you know, COVID has been a travesty. It has been nothing but a gift in, in my life. And that's just when it started, um, the scariest thing that could have happened happened. And, you know, I'm not in a relationship, but I have a little uh, monkey toed, uh, ginger cat named Simba and he's been with me the last five years as I've changed and he got really sick uh, mm -hmm. man I want to say a week before COVID hit and for the first two months I didn't know if he was going to live or if he was going to die he had surgery it was like 10 trips to the vet I was a wreck um, and and I realized real quick how little control that I had and having to live through each day, not knowing if I was going to have to put him down, the anxiety of that, the feelings that all come up with loss and all of that. Um, and the one thing I did was I started a blog. And I, that was the only thing that I had to do. And it was literally just writing about my experience and helping others with these little tools as I was going through experiencing COVID 
and experiencing the, not just the loss of everything there, but the potential, you know, um, loss that was kind of looming that I didn't know how it was going to turn out. And I did it for 90 days and that saved my life. Wow. <laughs> just writing every single day. Just writing every single day and in writing for a purpose that was greater for myself because it wasn't about, oh, this is the pain that I'm going through. It wasn't my story. It was to just share a little bit about how, how hard it was with when you're faced with something like loss, but a reminder and every day was like a reminder of how you can still enrich your life. Even when you're going through experiences like, like this, finding meaning, you know, finding those little things. So the first one was a call to rise. The second one was glowing from gratitude. And then the third one was awakening the force within. And it was like, 30 days of tools. Mm -hmm. And so it gave me a purpose <laughs> because, you know, honestly, and, and you know, I know people love their pets. This little guy has been like, he just has lit up my life. I have never had a, a, um, the kind of bond that I have had with any other animal like him. And just sitting next to him every day with him being so sick and not knowing if he was going to make it. Mm -hmm. That was some stuff. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that wow. was some stuff. And so being able to write about that, being able to show people, because I think a lot of people, and this is kind of what, how my relationships go, and I'm always trying to work on my relationships, but even my friends want to coach. <laughs> and it gets very hard to distinguish that line sometimes because of course I want my friends to do well. Of course I want to, I don't want to be their coach, but it's hard not to get sucked into it when they want to coach. Mm -hmm. But what happens in that is that the dynamic is that somehow I'm not human. <laughs> in You're ways, super Justin. In, in ways like somehow these things don't hurt my Don't affect you. Yeah. Like somehow these things don't have the, they'll be like, oh yeah, but this happened to me and that real, and I'm like, that has been happening to me for the last month. Like I get it. It's painful. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. just being able to show people. And so I think, you know, it, that gets really hard because a lot of people tend to go away when I'm going through something. And so mm -hmm. I've, because they, I've, because they can't handle it when you're not strong. Right. They, they can't, can't they can't handle when you're being human. Yes. Yes. And so that's been very difficult. So being with this little, my little buddy, you know, and, and I've, he's just got such a great personality too. Um, it, he allowed me to be human and he allowed me just to, one thing that I learned is when training a cat, it is 100% based on trust. If you break that trust, cats will not forgive you. <laughs> they, they just won't. They're not like training dogs. And so he's taught me a lot about trust and trust that I use and, and how I build with other people as well. Because I, I think sometimes we, we don't accept our responsibility in the connections that we make. We become, again, very egocentric thinking that the world is about us, thinking it's about how we're taking things in, how it's impacting us, how we're feeling. And we forget about what's going on out here. Mm -hmm. 
And I think what happened for me is going through this, like allowing myself to get out of what was happening here and to be able to see that the rest of the world was hurting. And even though I was going through something that I needed to, I, this was the time to stand up. And if you've ever called yourself a leader, to stand up and be there for people that don't know how to handle this, mm-hmm. you know, that don't, that, that are scared, that are, I mean, not just scared, but that literally have not been prepared for a situation like this at all. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's, that's that whole external locus of control, Yeah. you know, and, and when you, when you have to come back to yourself and what, and, and create, it's basically like you have to create that sense of safety and trust in yourself when yeah. everything else is chaotic. Yeah. You know, it's like you have to figure out a way to maintain your own sense of peace, your yeah. own sense of purpose. Yeah. Your own, like, nobody's telling you to be determined, Dustin. <laughs> Nobody told you you need to be determined to get through this, right? Right. For some reason, there was something inside of you. I mean, I I was just talking to another person. I just had another podcast episode and he was talking about that when he was in a really dark place, um, he said, I lost faith and belief in myself, but for some reason I still had hope. And I was like, why? You know, like why? Because, because people give up hope, right? I mean, that's, I think that's why people commit suicide. They give up hope. They feel completely hopeless, completely helpless, like nothing will ever make it better. Um, And they can't, you know, because you are so like withdrawn and in the dark that you can't see. I mean, I, I said to him, the light at the end of the tunnel. And he's like, I don't even like that term because you can't see farther than just, you know, lifting your, lifting your vision a teeny tiny bit. Yeah. You know, if you can even get out of bed. Yeah. So what, so what makes the difference between, you know, the person who gives up hope and the person who is, I I don't really know, you know, I'm going through a lot of shit, Yeah. but for some reason I still feel compelled to move forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the difference is, uh, I mean, unfortunately practice, I have a lot of practice on people. You know, I have a lot of practice on people. I've been going through shit since I was two years old. I've got 40 years experience in dealing with mental warfare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I had... And I, that, was, that was your sense of normal. That was my normal. That was my sense of normal. Absolutely. When, it, when did you realize that that was not normal or that should not be normal? Um, it, I was in corporate America. It was about, I want to, I keep saying five years, but I think it was more like six or seven. I was smoking. I was drinking. I had a prescription pill problem. I was an insomniac cause I had my tonsils and I barely slept more than a half an hour every night. Um, I, uh, well, I was on sleeping medication, like NyQuil, Tylenol, anything I could, um, sugar, just everything, birth control. I I mean, just like everything to screw up my body I was doing and I was on. And I went to, uh, walking has always been a really big escape for me. Mm -hmm. And so I went for a walk one day and I, I, in corporate America, I had 
gotten to a position where by anybody's outside look at my life, if they just looked at my career, they would have said, wow, she's really successful because Mm. I had worked myself up to a position of like corporate success. Mm -hmm. So I had a, that's where I built my identity. Um, But when I went for a walk, uh, I got about man, I want to say I got less than a hundred feet and my lower back started hurting so bad that I couldn't move forward. Mm -hmm. And I came back and, uh, I just started crying. I was on my couch and I just like, just sobbing. And there was this humility and this humbleness that came over me at that time. And it was like a question came in that I, I was, shown that if I stayed on this path that I was going to die and I was going to die pretty soon. I feel like I was also on the verge of developing lung cancer just by what my body was telling me. Mm -hmm. Um, But all I knew is that if I stayed on this path, I was going to die. And when it comes down to that question, when it gets to that place in my life, that's like, are you willing to die? something switched and I was not ready to give up. I had this voice inside of me that was screaming that I was not done yet. And, and I had more like my purpose, I, I had not completed yet. And it was like everything inside of me screaming that. Yeah. And so I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to start. I, I literally looked at all of these things and I needed to change everything And what had happened in my life before is when I looked at how many things I needed to change, I wouldn't change any of them because I became overwhelmed and frustrated and didn't have a belief system that I could change it. Right. So I, somehow I came through to pick a mentor and I picked Tony Robbins and I opened up, uh, like, um, the, the giant within or. Awaken the giant or awaken of, the giant within. Awaken, yeah. yeah, awaken the giant within. And I read, I just randomly opened the book and this man spoke my language. And the way that he talked was the way that I had talked to my family when I was young. The way the things that I tried to describe to my family or the beliefs that I had or the way that I felt that I always got chastised for because they told me I was too sensitive or too far out there or I cared too much or all of these things that I had gotten shut down for. Mm -hmm. One of the most powerful men in America literally spoke my language. Mm. And something like validation for who you were. I'm not crazy. Yes. And that's, that was the, that was a big thing is like, you're not crazy because my whole life I've had people, you know, I've had people tell me that I'm a genius and I've had people tell me that I'm crazy. Like, and, and I just kind of accept it. One of of my math teachers when I was in high school, my geometry teacher, he always said, uh, he, he always said, there's a, slight difference between genius and madness. Yep. And so you can't even tell which one you are. (laughs) I tell people it's a fine line between crazy and imagination. So might as well embrace it because it is. And now I can say that, but before I would pull back before, you know, I'm, I'm also a girl named Dustin that has already my entire life put me in an out category because even because your name's so unusual, because even to this day, or unique, I should say, I still have people saying, is that really your name? Your, is your name? Isn't that a boy's name? I mean, sometimes 10, 15 times a day. Sometimes it's every person I meet feels like they should have an opinion 
about my name. But what it's done is it's given me a thicker skin, but I've always felt like I've been on the outside. Mm. So when I connected with Tony Robbins's words, I, there was something in there that he just said, like, pick one thing. And I was like, all right, because, you know, when you and I were talking about self-love and as a massage therapist and somebody that preached self-love and love, maybe not self-love, but preached love and healing my entire life, I was the biggest effing hypocrite. (laughs) And I had to come face to face with that. And that was not a very comfortable place for me it literally that impacted me so much that brought me to my knees (laughs) and it was so humbling of realizing that I had been living as a hypocrite because what came through is that I could not practice any kind of self-love if I was participating in a habit that literally I was killing myself every couple of minutes for smoking you're talking about yep yeah. And so I just, I took Tony Robbins, like I read as much as I could. And I just knew that it was a matter of not identifying as a smoker and then just dealing with the thoughts that came up that I had to change. And so I wasn't trying to quit smoking. I just decided that I was no longer a smoker and I behaved in a way that a non-smoker did and I didn't smoke. That's really fascinating. You told me that the first time we talked and I'm like, how did you do that? Because so many people spend years and years trying to overcome their addictions. Yeah. I mean, it's, you have to take it one action at a time because it's not like I didn't have thoughts of that demon saying, oh, you should reward yourself with a cigarette. Right. Um, But I wasn't telling myself I'm trying to quit. I wasn't telling myself like I am a, I'm no longer a smoker. Uh No, I changed the fundamental. I I said, okay, I am a non-smoker. What does a non-smoker do? Wow. They don't smoke. And so anytime those thoughts came up, I don't smoke. I don't smoke. And the really interesting thing was, is I was on so much different medications. Right. I should have gone through some really hardcore withdrawal because I'd gone through some withdrawal before when I'd ran out of pills and sleeping pills. I should have gone through a lot of withdrawal. I literally stopped drinking, stopped eating sugar. I stopped uh, taking sleeping medication. I stopped the pain medication. And that wasn't even a conscious choice. I was going to say that wasn't because you were like trying No, it literally was because I quit smoking because I was practicing self-love. So I had to set the value and then I just took a step in that value in every step I took. Now, sometimes that meant I didn't take a step for a minute if I had to figure out what the step was that was the valuable step, Uh but self-love became my guiding light. And it wasn't just on an intellectual level. It literally was, I checked every action and did this. Put your hand on your heart. And checked every action. And that action, I made sure that that action aligned with my value of self-love. So therefore, if I'm walking in self-love, you don't walk in self-love and addiction at the same time. So it really is about changing your beliefs about who you think you are because you will follow who you think you are. Now, it wasn't easy. But because, because most people think who they, 
who they are based on other people's projections onto them. So that's why we carry this like guilt, shame and judgment and all this stuff because of the ways that we have been mistreated or devalued. Yeah. Well, and, and also we're building our future from our past. Right. I've been a smoker. I've always smoked. I've always done this, you know, then all of a sudden now you're shaping your future based on your past. That never works. No, you just get more shit from your past. Like that's, I'm like, that's exactly, it's the same cycle. Who I am this moment is a result of every single decision I've made before me, right? And so now from going forward, it's like, who do I want to become? Who do I want to be in this linear, you know, if I'm talking about linear time, yeah, from A to B. Um, but yeah, it's like, this is a huge, this is a huge thing, Dustin. Yeah. Well, and that's what you just hit the nail on the head. Who do I want to become? I wanted to become a Mm non-smoker. So, you know, we get bogged down in the idea that there's so much opportunity out there that we become paralyzed by it. But the thing is, is if we hit a target or if we just clarify our intentions, of who we want to become, the path really narrows quite a bit. And there's not really a whole lot of, of outside of that if you're going in the direction of your intention. But why do you think it's so difficult for most people to, to maintain those intentions? I mean, I'm just thinking about, say, New Year's resolutions, for instance. Yeah. You know, they start something and like three days later, they're done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's an, it's on an intellectual level of, I think that I know there's no actual work put into it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the work comes in and saying, okay, who do I want to become? And then acting as if you're already that. Mm -hmm. So I had to, you know, I play, I would play mind games with myself all the time because I, I knew that my mind was only like a trap. And it was like a maze. And so I had to keep it occupied and I had to feed it stories and metaphors to be able to get me out of the emotional responses that I had been having my entire life. And so like the first one that I would do is if I found myself in a familiar pattern and I created an awareness around it, I literally, if I didn't want that same result, I would do the 180 immediately. And I did that for like five months. And that was the scariest five months of my life because everything that I was doing was completely different than I had different. ever had. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. If I, I mean, it's, it's that whole definition of insanity and doing the yeah. same things and expecting different results, right? Yeah. Well, and because I didn't know, like I had been so conditioned not to know what I wanted or not to see what I wanted or not or to- Or not to, not to yeah, not to validate what you wanted. Not to validate all of those things, at uh-huh. least I knew if I did a 180 decision. So if I would have gone out with this guy in the past and we would have started a conversation, I said, no, I'm sorry, I got to stay away. If I was a serial dater, I became, you know, a serial entrepreneur. Like I, I just did the complete opposite because at least I knew that was going to get me in a different direction, a different trajectory. Result. Yeah. It's like shifting your whole trajectory. Yeah. Well, and in my trajectory wasn't working and it wasn't producing good results. And so I had to do something because that big, like, you're going to (laughs) die 
<laughs> like it, it was, you know, I've always been able to hear this deeper calling in me, this deeper voice in me. And it's always been there whenever I've needed it, whenever mm. it was like crucial, it's always been there as a guiding light to say, this is your next step or this is what you do. And so it like literally the principles that came in my life during this time, it was find a mentor. And then that led me to Tony Robbins. And then that led me to self love. And then that led me to trust. And then that led me to letting go and letting to forgive. And it was like, I didn't realize that I was building my value system by all of these synchronicities that were starting to happen. Wow. But I was also because I, I started answering that question of who I wanted to become the next steps were provided for me to take that action to become it. Mm -hmm. And if, and we're not taught this, this is why I'm so big on teaching. You know, I wish I just had amazing marketing, <laughs> you know, I wish I, because I've seen that happens when I work with people and when they get in and they start learning this stuff, because if we had how to build trust in our school systems, if we had, making the distinctions between intention and attention. Right. You know, if we were taught like little things like that, it would make monumental strives for us as far as our human potential and, and the, the range of just meaning that we have. Well, I, I think a lot of it, Dustin, goes back to that external locus of control. You know, when you're when you are um, brought up, you know, generally parents direct you in a lot of ways. And if they're not healthy themselves, yeah. you know, then they're, they're misdirected. And so then they teach you misdirection. They teach yeah. you not to trust your own feelings and your own intuition because they're not trusting their own feelings and their intuition because they're yeah. also blocked and oppressed. And yeah. so these cycles happen where um, you live these unconscious lives according to what everybody else says that you should be doing. Yeah. As opposed to, um, as opposed to like giving, giving people maybe sort of a structure of choices, you know, like, would you be interested in this or this, mm -hmm. you know? And so, and so you leave it up to somebody to be their own sovereign being, yeah. you know, yeah. to make their own decisions to say, you know, like I, I would pick purple and you would pick blue. And I say, well, you're wrong for picking blue because that's not, you know, you should pick purple like me. And it's like, well, no, I like blue. And I mean, yeah. this is just a basic, you know, but it, it applies to everything. Yeah. You know, so well, like parents try to try to direct their kids in a particular direction, which, you know, I mean, I just think of all these examples of like, you're going to be a doctor because you should be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. Whereas really the kid's painting his brains out, yeah. <laughs> his heart out, you know, and it's yeah. like, that's his, this is his true nature is to be creative and to, you know, as opposed to this linear, you know, this linear in the box thinking that we generally um, navigate, you yeah. know, and so well, we've been a society that's been very brain focused. And, uh -huh. and unfortunately, our brains do not tell us the truth. They create traps for us. They we live in, um, you know, I think one of the things like you just said, with the colors, 
and you know I'm wrong or you're wrong we we live in a duality of right or right. wrong correct yeah and this is where we really tap into that fight or flight response because then it becomes a power struggle of you're taking something from me or um, I'm going to lose something and mm -hmm. so this is why this fear it's this fear and this separation yeah and so this is why you know I think the way to change is to change the story that you're telling yourself. So one, you have to kind of understand and identify what that story is. And then what I teach people is how to find the third way because, and I use it for instance of like people that are really full of negative self-talk, self-doubt, all of that negative thinking, mm -hmm. they think that the solution is to think positive. And that's not the solution the solution actually lies in a third way. And the third way is like the unlearning process. The third way is the stopping the momentum um, of the negative thinking before you can start going into another direction. And so mm -hmm. it's how do we get that shift in perspective that literally like unlocks your cage of the duality? Because we will stay in conflict when we're faced with right or wrong, when we're faced with, you know, that it's, it's conflict because it's a, it's a contradicting idea that we can't seem to make way of. Well, I think if you, if you stay in that duality, then there is right or wrong, good or bad, black or white. And, you know, this is a, a huge part of my teaching is just um, stop judging right stop judging stop labeling let's yeah. try to come let's try to approach it from a place of curiosity and exploration like oh hmm that's interesting i never saw it that way or i you know that wasn't my perspective can you share with me what your ideas are and so that i can develop this sense of um compassionate exploration compassionate investigation yeah. so that so that you um, can can express to me your perspective and your vision and your truth so that it helps me gain understanding about who you are it's not about judging you or thinking you're right or wrong or whatever it's just like oh isn't this interesting mm -hmm. you know because we are so unique yeah and so well, and we spend way too much time thinking about what everybody else is doing, trying to control everybody else's actions and thoughts and perceptions when the real truth we don't we don't control our own. We're just scared to to live in ourselves. We're just scared to figure out what's going on in ourselves. And that's the it's the scariest place to be because literally when you start to create your future and honestly if you're creating a better future that future is unknown because if it was known it wouldn't be your future right it would our future literally is unknown and when we're truly building it we're creating it not from every not from our past but from what we can imagine from mm -hmm. who like you said who we want to become right and in who we want to become, we have to let go of everything that we, that we think were, that we are, or that we were. Mm -hmm. and, and giving up 
the I know, I always tell people like, you know, you're an ego when you know. So, and I'm sure as a coach, you have a lot of people that go, oh yeah, I know. I know. I, I, know. I, I say the more that I know, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. And it's <laughs> like, okay, you know, in the I know, when you're willing to let down the I know, and you, like you said, approach something with curiosity, you've opened up your opportunity. You haven't limited yourself into what you think you already know. Because um, as soon as you say that, you've defined what you think the experience is going to be and then anything different anything out of the norm is therefore not the experience that you were hoping for that you were thinking about and it's it's usually an experience that we don't learn from and it's unfortunate because all of the experience lies outside of our heads like you were saying it's about being in the moment you know and the truth be told we don't know how many moments we're going to have. Exactly. That was the other game that I played, a mental game that I played with myself. And, and I, my whole company was, was founded and created from a dear friend of mine um, on his 20th day, on his 20th death day anniversary. And he was a guiding light in a lot of people's hearts. And he passed away when he was 17. Mm -hmm. And he was such a light and such a love that on his 20th death day anniversary, I could see the ripple effect that he had even 20 years later on affecting wow. people and help guiding people. And I got to meet his heart recipient, Kevin. Wow. And in that heartbeat, Ryan passed me a message of, and, and I got to see it. It was this, it was this amazing vision of connection and vision of love and showing people just how much power like one heartbeat has. Mm. And so what I could do. And that's where not only going back to this, the next thing, the immediate next thing that I did when I got here is I was grateful for my heartbeat. Mm. I was grateful that I had a breath in my body. And then that started compounding. And as you get into gratitude, there's no space for gratitude and seven, you know, negative self-talk in the same place. So then it became a matter of practice and then the more you practice, the better you become. And then all of a sudden right. your body is starting to go there. So right. in gratitude, I would pretend like that day or de depending on how much anxiety I had, maybe it was the hour, maybe it was the minute, it was my last. And how did I want to act? How did I want to show up for the world one last time? Yeah. And so I also worked out all of my battle with death and all of my stories that I had around death and grieving. And so some days I would have my hand over my heart and for the 15, 20 minutes that I was doing this and imagining that this was my last moment, I would just cultivate gratitude and then sob wow. <laughs> and sob through it. But what that gave me and what the experience gave me was just this appreciation that man, you know what? Anything can happen and I can look for the gift. <laughs> you know, the worst can happen and I can show you the gift out of all of it. Because, you know, in a world that's so focused on everything that's wrong, being able to find the gift in it is like, that's a, that's it's a gift. That's a gift, <laughs> right? That is a gift. So like I, I say, your presence is a gift. I well, mean, and especially when, you know, with your friend, he was only 17 and you think, 
life is so precious. You know, you don't know how much time you have. So you better freaking live every single day. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people miss that because they're like, oh, if it was my last day, I would fly to Fiji and I would do this and that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You get to live in your life today. Right. Here, right now. Right now. How mm -hmm. would you act? Mm -hmm. If this was our last conversation, what would you bring to the table? Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of things. You and I have both had really long days. There's a lot of things where we could not be present in this conversation. Yeah. You know, we could use it as an excuse to feel bad. We could use it as an excuse to feel tired, but neither one of us were bringing, you know, this is where we're choosing to bring our presence to this mm -hmm. for the purpose and the intention of creating something better. Yeah. So I think people also forget that it's about choice. Choice. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about choice on how you show up because usually people are like, yeah, but yeah, but this and yeah, but that. And I'm like, you know what? I just got a phone call this morning that my dad just tried to commit suicide. You don't have any excuse that stops you from being present right in this moment. Did, did that happen today, yeah. really? No, no, that didn't happen today, but that happened. But that happened when. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and again, it's just these experiences. Like that morning when I got that call, I had four coaching appointments. I had a choice. I, my stepmom called, I had about a 45 minute conversation with her and I sat down the phone and unfortunately my dad has made some pretty poor choices. You know, I know he's hurting and everything, but I literally had to make a choice. Was I going to let that stop me from helping these other people who needed me? Yeah. And so it was, it, and it was like, that actually was a pretty defining moment for me on how you have control. The one thing you have control over is, is your choice. choice. Yeah. And, and if that, that's the only thing. Yeah. You know, you can choose your attitude. You can choose how you show up. You can yeah. choose being present. Now, granted, we all may not be taught these things, but you still have a choice. Yeah. I wasn't taught these things, you know, and I'm not the exception. The other thing I tell people is you are not the exception to the rule. I have not found where that, that goes either way, you know, because you're not so special that you're the exception to the rule, but yet you're not so the same not special. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and, and so however it is, however you're putting yourself separate, you're not the exception to the rule. And, and knowing that in, in like, that's helped me get through the, the most extreme circumstances of my life is just knowing like, you know, and knowing that there were people out there that I really admired that were inspiring me, that were motivating me, mm -hmm. that were showing up when their life was falling apart, they mm -hmm. still chose to come and do these events. They still show, showed up on stage. They still showed up on video and, and gave everything that they had because, you know, bottom line, when you get out of your head and you get into your heart, you get to the story of that. It's not about me. It's about we. Mm -hmm. And the we honestly has saved my life being able to create my you know getting past that message from ryan's heartbeat it saved my life 
It's, it's giving me a vision that was bigger than me and more compelling than anything that I could have ever imagined. Yeah, wow. And pulled me through the biggest days because it wasn't about me. You know, when I wanted to fall into being a victim, it wasn't about me. So I would get up because it's about we. And I knew that if I didn't get up and I didn't continue down this road, a lot of people would suffer because I am here to help people. I am here to give people their messages. I'm here to help people grow and transform and make better choices in their life. Yeah. And that's just, but if you're I'm not, doing. if you're not taking care of, I, you can't, uh, you can't serve. We, yeah. Yeah. It, and it all, you know, the third principle of one tribe rising is that it starts with the power of one and that everything is within us, mm -hmm. you know, and this is why the connection to your heart is just, it's, it's, not just optional, <laughs> like this is how we were designed. We are creative beings. We yeah. are beings of light and love. And Nobody connection. And connection. Nobody is the exception to that rule. Yeah. And granted, we've deformed a lot of things. We've transformed our DNA in a lot of places. So we're mutating, but we were designed to be creative and loving beings. It's just how we're taught and how we're conditioned not to be. Mm -hmm. so this is this is why we're here right. <laughs> to shift that right <laughs> to bring that duality back to zero point yeah. so that we uh so that we uh, eliminate this sense of well and it's not even eliminating it's really just integrating you know the this sense of fear and out of control and you know duality um with the sense of love and peace and connection and intimacy and harmony so that so that we all and because we all want to we all want to be seen and heard and valued and and feel um a sense of belonging and a sense of connection you know like we were born from an umbilical cord <laughs> we are born with this sense of there is something greater than us that we are connected to this source energy that is bigger than than who we are and yeah. so me as a little blip of you know seven billion people on the earth mm -hmm. and who am i it's like i don't know who i am but i'm ex i'm using my whole life to explore who i am yeah. and to and to um honor my gifts and to you know and to express the fullness of my feelings and my heart because that's where i connect i don't i mean i can connect intellectually with people but it's really the heart that i feel absolutely that's absolutely. the thing that bonds us together it bonds it bonds me to me yeah and it bonds me to you yeah absolutely well and this is the world that lives within us mm -hmm. i mean we forget because it's not really talked about, or we've talked about it in a spiritual woo-woo way, but we're made of the universe. Mm -hmm. and, and the universe that runs through me, that runs within me, is the universe that runs through you, yeah. and we're all connected. Yeah. And so when we start to understand value, and we start to build that, that see, that's, I think, the number one thing where I'm like, why did nobody teach me how to build a value system? Mm -hmm. Why are they not teaching that in school? Mm -hmm. Because if we would have gone over what a value system is, like what that means, how to set those in front of your actions, 
it would be, we would be completely walking in new ways on new paths. But, you know, I did a lot of Uber driving and Lyft driving when I started my marketing and working with small businesses. And it was like the personal development Uber because everybody that got in, I was doing market research, talking to them and people just would open up to it's yeah. like bartender yeah. where they get in a safe space and they would just talk. Right. And it, you know, it was really interesting because most of the things that they said, I could literally turn around and say, okay, so I heard your story. So what's your value system? What are, what are your values? And I would say that 98% of people didn't know. They never even asked themselves that question. Wow. And I picked up a lot of people. And that's just in a very small area. But I was like, wow. You know, and then when somebody would start and be like, wow, you know, I've never asked myself that question. And then literally like started to go down that path and then they'd be like well what are yours and I'm like well right now mine is courage compassion and uh love you know those are my those are my three I put those in front of my actions and they'd be like oh okay so then they would start that thought process and then they could see how all of the people that they were dealing with that they were either complaining about or having a hard time with didn't have value systems either yeah And I'm like, okay, do you see where we can be like missing the communication? Because again, we don't have any intention of where we're going. We're just living in this instant attention state. Like to me, the attention is the instant gratification. Yeah. And that's why that insight was like blew my mind. Cause I'm like, literally if somebody would have like shown me that not equal sign, my life would be completely different if I would have learned that in grade school. And it's a little not equal to, but nobody ever made that distinction before. So God bless Matthew Hussey because he made that distinction and it was like 10,000 light bulbs went off when he did that. I'm like, oh, (laughs) like, oh, okay. So it's, you know, it's just, we're not, this stuff isn't discussed. It's discussed in a spiritual way when you go to, you know, spiritual healing avenues, but it's, we're not teaching this in mainstream. Yeah. We're not teaching these spiritual principles and I call them spiritual principles, but whatever we want to call them, right. Let's just call them something. Life life principles. Whatever. Let's just call them something that we can all agree on and get them into our schools Mm -hmm. and not only have the children and the kindergartners in the room, but have the parents in the room next to them and make it so simple that they can't, they can't ignore it. You know, I think I'll show you one of the biggest. So this is, this is all about people becoming more conscious. Yeah. Well, okay. So this, this box uh-huh. It's got it's got forgiveness, forgiveness love, uh-huh. fear and love, and then trust and worry. Uh-huh. And so this was something that I used. Now hang on, just one second, because I'm gonna grab something here. Okay, so this was the original box, uh-huh. and I, I did this while Ubering with people because this is what I had it made into. Oh, how cute is that? 
And this is literally like, this is what I call perspective by design. Because uh. what happens is what I would do is I would ask somebody to tell me a way that they showed somebody that they loved them. Uh-huh. And they would, they would tell me what that is. And then I would have them tell me a way that they acted with somebody else that showed them fear. Uh-huh. So they would have to kind of dive into their own actions. Right. And then I would say, okay, well, in the middle, we're all the same. So what does it look like when somebody represents this to you? Hmm. And then they would answer that. And I'm like, okay, so is there now a way that you can remember that this is what's on the other the side, side when this is reflected towards you? And it created this shift. Like I marketed this because I wanted to test it to, before I made it into something to, to, as a, as a, uh, something to sell to see if people got it. And I wanted to create something so simple uh -huh. that would create a shit like a kindergartner can understand it and speak to it. And a parent, an adult, yeah. an adult could speak to it too. And the shift that it created was instant compassion. Yes. And I was like, okay. And they're like, oh my God, this is the best Uber ever. And yes. I'm like, look, I'm like, take your breakthrough. Have a great day. Like, you know, don't sleep on it. Do something with it. But it was like, I mean, it's a, it's a stinking little box with words on it. But this, but this is it. I mean, this is, this is the whole reason why I started this podcast is yeah. to share people's struggles so that people would have some compassion yeah. instead of judgment. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, and, and, and when we can forgive, mm -hmm. like we can, we can let go of the judgment because right. we can look at, you know, when, when judgment comes in and we have to really look at what we're judging, what we're judging is something in ourselves. In we ourselves. don't want right. that we don't want to admit. Right. So if we can forgive that imperfection in ourselves, the judgment goes away. Yeah. And when you can have the understanding that when somebody is coming to you in worry, when somebody is coming to you in an action of fear, if somebody is coming to you in an action of anger or judgment, that's not, that's just an identity. Mm -hmm. It doesn't live on the, in, that's not what lives on the inside. Mm -hmm. And so. But every, can, every person has to be, have that awareness of themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, I mean, it, that's why it was like, I, I use that box and all of the, you know, just creating those little shifts because if we're left alone to create this, these awarenesses, yes, it happens because I believe that we have a soul in ourselves that yeah. tries to do everything it can to wake us up yeah. and to, to have us fulfill our path. Now, I don't have know us why to remember love is the is the answer love is always the answer yeah um but to you know to not teach these things to not talk about these things to not accept these and and back it up with the science that go is going on we are doing ourselves just a disservice as far as humanity goes yeah and I know that, you know, I think one of the things that I struggle with is because I tend to push, I'm impatient. Determined. 
determined. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm like, oh, well, and I judge the world. Like I judge the world thinking that we should be someplace different, yeah. you know? And, and even I have to sit back and be like, you know what? Humanity is exactly where we need to be right, right. now. Acceptance, like, acceptance and allowance. And just be the best version that I can be. Right. And when it comes down to it, that is the only thing I have control over. That's the only choice that I have control over. Yep. And I do that by setting value in my life. If my value is love, then, then I don't take it out on other people. I don't, I don't let my reactions spill over to other people. Now that doesn't mean that I don't have those knee jerk reactions because I yeah. have knee jerk reactions. We all have our humanity still to deal with. Yeah, we all have egos, but I think being able to practice this on such a deep level for so long, I can, I, I just, I don't have that reaction like I did before. Yeah. It takes a lot. Like I have to have a fever of like 104. I have to be like no sleep, you know, no, whatever, but it has to be so extreme before I let that knee-jerk reaction take hold. Yeah. And, and that's not something we're leading right now as, as a society with our knee-jerk reactions. And, and that's why we're getting all these, you know, these fear-based results. Which is why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. And why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. doing. <laughs> why we're connected to who we're connected with. You know, yeah. that we're all trying to raise our own sense of awareness and consciousness and bring us back to this place of love yeah and connection yeah. and Absolutely. belonging and union yeah do you listen to do you like uh or have read uh Brene brown at all um do you know i've never read anything by her i mean i know who she is and i've never i think maybe i've heard one talk of hers <laughs> Um, the gifts of imperfection, the way that you talk about love and belonging, I think you would absolutely love her. Right. She, she's a researcher. She's a shame and vulnerability researcher. And so uh -huh. her definitions, she's pulled directly from what we've told her. Uh. And they are so spot on. It's literally like, can we just multiply her and get her in front of every kind of system that we have? Yeah. Because if we set up our systems with that kind of value and that kind of language and those kind of definitions, man, it wouldn't take that long for a big change. You know, it would be, it's just these little, these little things that we could do, but you just talk about the way that you speak about love and belonging. It's I, you two are kindred spirits. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll meet her. <laughs> if you do invite me, cause I want to meet her too. <laughs> Well, you are beautiful, Dustin. Uh, thank you. I've just enjoyed being on your show so much. I really appreciate the invitation. Yeah. It's well worth it. <laughs> what Yay! A great it's worth day. staying up even after no sleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have, I have one final question that I always ask my guests, and it's how do you define real love? <sighs> uh, allowing somebody to be exactly who they are. Mm. Amen. Yeah. That's that's unconditional. Yeah. Real I was going to say unconditional, but it, it it's just allowing somebody to be exactly who they are despite all of my expectations of who I think they should be. 
and judgments and <laughs> all of that, you know, because yeah. those are just, those are just stories. Yeah. And I think if we can get to a place as human beings where we stop defining ourselves by our worst behaviors, mm. we'll give ourselves an opportunity to rise into our best behaviors. Well, it's like you, you know, the way that you would talk to your best friend and encourage them and love on them and, you know, appreciate them. This is what we need to learn to do with ourselves. Yeah. Well, and one little trick for the audience as we were talking about that crazy and imagination. Uh -huh. uh, one of the other little mental things that I did is when I would come uh, up on a really strong personality that I had within myself, I would literally separate it whether it was by age, whether it was by personality uh, trait, I uh -huh. separated uh, and I would give her a name uh -huh. um, and I would make friends with her and mm -hmm. I would treat her how I would treat a friend. And so I almost created like multiple, multiple personalities, personalities. <laughs> on purpose, but I saw Tony Robbins do it. And I was like, Hey, if he can do it, like it makes sense why he's doing it. Because we have so many multiple personalities. Yeah, we have our two-year-old, our five-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-old, 13, 16, 21, blah, blah, blah. All of, all of that. And, but what would happen and what shifted is that most of us give so much love that we're not giving to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I just set the game up to win. Yeah. And so I set the game up to make that part of me that wasn't lovable not part of me i named it as my friend and then i befriended my friend and mm. therefore by default created self-love within myself because i started befriending and loving all of these pieces that i was originally trying to run from but the second that i changed my perspective about it and i have to go to extremes when i create those stories like i literally have to just for me i have to make this story like the most compelling, the most empowering, the most realistic. And so literally, I would even imagine what whatever I was running from, like I said, whether it was a personality trait or some place in time where I had gotten stuck, I would even have an external conversation with them mm -hmm. as they were like as they were right next to me. Right. Again, that allowed me to treat them better than I felt like I had the power to treat myself at the moment. But by right. doing that, I was creating the self-love within myself. So don't be afraid to be a little crazy. Don't be afraid to play with those stories in your head. Right. If it gets you into a better state, if it gets you into a better like physiological state, if it gets you into creating a better story, by all means, just do whatever it takes. Yeah, it's like, oh, isn't that cute that that three-year-old is doing that? Ha ha, isn't that funny? <laughs> do, you want, do you want some attention, sweetheart? Come here. Let me give you some attention. Whatever. Like, whatever. The stuff that I have done to get myself out of my head and I have gotten other people, like, my biggest thing, and I love doing this because it just could like it kerfabbles people like the expression that they have when I do this it's they don't even know what to do but immediately they smile and they'll be in the thick of their story yeah and this is when I've heard when I when I know it's a loop on repeat yeah it's not that it's not no it's yeah it's the tapes it's the tapes yeah I literally will be like you know what shake your butt and I will do it. <laughs> if I'm in person with them I've done this in the store I've done this where I've worked before and they like 
they don't know what to it's do with pattern it. Pattern interrupt. Pattern interrupt. And then yeah. the thing is that nobody can think about shaking their butt because they all know. And especially when they say me do it, it, it creates a smile. Their body's in a better state. Half the time, they don't even remember the loop yeah. that they were in. And then right. I'm like, okay, there you are. Now let's go forward. And they're like, you literally just did that in front of me. And I'm like, absolutely. Like, I'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> whatever it takes. So it also helped me get out of my comfort zone and yeah. be willing to be courageous and be willing to be foolish and be willing and just play yeah. and laugh and be silly and have some fun and make make fun of ourselves. Don't take ourselves so friggin' seriously. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I have so many people around that'll be like, when they're in it, they'll be like, I did it. I shook my butt today. And I'm like, good for you. I was going to say, now every time I see you, I'm going to be like this. <laughs> You can't not laugh. That's the thing is most of the time it just continues. And then you're like, wow, it feels super great right now. And they didn't even have to do it. I'm like, that's a great behavior change right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. We would have so much fun together. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on again. This was just such a pleasure. And like I said, such a, such a great ending to my day. Yay. <laughs> how, how can people get in touch with you, Dustin? Uh, the best way right now is because uh, I am going through a little bit of a marketing shift. Thank God that I'm working with a marketing company. But right now I am on Facebook. You can find me under Dustin Lee Wheeler or One Tribe Rising. One Tribe Rising will get you across all of my uh, different things. But my main social platform is Facebook right now. And it's either my personal or my business page. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, as I always say <laughs> that, you know, this, the whole point of this conversation is to talk about the I that creates the we, you know, yeah. because I always say the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. Yeah. So the fact that you overcame all of this stuff, Dustin, and come to this place of awareness and compassion and love and acceptance of both yourself and trying to share that with the world. What a beautiful gift you are. Oh, well, so, thank you. Thank you. I thank think you. that, you know, I think that we all kind of need to do our part and grow our gifts. You know, I, again, I am not the exception to the rule. Everybody has the, a world within them. Yeah. Um, and I think too, along with that, the moment that we can stop comparing ourselves to other yeah. people, yeah. because so many people do it with me and I'm like, listen, I have had 40 years on you to practice this mental warfare. Right. You've had five, right. you're not going to be in the same place and don't try to be. So again, just, just, be, just be where you are. Yeah. Just being, you know, and it's in our human nature to compare, like it's in our lizard brain of all of, you know, comparison. And, and now we're given social media and that just amplifies our mm -hmm. need to compare ourselves. But the, that's the biggest advice is, is just literally like, keep your eyes on you. You know, don't worry about how other people are acting. Don't worry about how other right. people are behaving, you right. know, like the focus on your own mission. Yeah. And the world changes when you do. Yeah. That's the amazing thing is so when you turn that internal focus to you and you find that world within you, that's where your heart takes you. That heart creates that space. It gets you in touch with that infinite that you have with inside you yeah. that gets you out of those limiting stories. Yeah. And so in that space, you really can create anything that you want 
and and you are exactly where you're supposed to be like there is a reason for you there's a reason for you being here and you even if it's painful even if it's painful and guess what you will never be in a place where it's going to be without fear where it's going to be without judgment where it's going to be without forgiveness we are without worry like those things exist and we have to go on despite them. Like we have to build our skills and abilities and our values. Despite our resilience them. and our determination. That's how we build. And right. so it's not trying to get to a place where those things don't exist. Right. It's just that we, we don't see them and use them in the same ways because we've been able to shift our perspective and, and create a different story. Yeah. Well, you have a beautiful story. So keep, keep writing it. <laughs> I will. I will. Thank you so much, sweetheart. Yeah. So, so everybody, um, if you know, I mean, I always say subscribe if you like this conversation and please um, share it with a friend if you feel like it would be helpful for somebody, um, you know, because this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to help people rise up. One tribe rising yep. <laughs> and, you know, experience more love and compassion and unit uni unity in the world. So, um, yeah. So y'all do that and yeah. every day wake up to more and more real love. So thank, thank you, you so much for being dust being here with me, Dustin. Um, come back anytime. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I would love to come back. <laughs> All right. So thanks listeners and, uh, take care. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you.